what causes us to leave some out, like the eating of shellfish, for example, as, as we've seen. And then yet, uh, you know, with this one, we, we're like, no, that one still applies. Welcome to the Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, a pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. All right. So the last week uh, of American politics has been pretty interesting. Um, we have seen the passage of a bill that has been uh, called the Respect of Marriage Act, um, and it, it uh, the, amongst a lot of things, it it does some things that we're wondering whether or not it will do, and is yet to be determined. Um, but what we did see was a couple of days ago, the White House had a celebration. They lit up the White House at night in the rainbow flag colors. They um, had a celebration on the White House at the White House with uh, many in attendance, not least of which was a drag queen. Um, though I didn't see any images, uh, I was under the understanding or told that it was dressed in women's lingerie um, mm-hmm. and things that would have been otherwise unheard of not even just a few I mean forget founding fathers just 10 years ago would have been thought crazy uh, right. is now right you know full-fledged support and so I think you know as far as Christians go it leaves us in a in a bit of a kind of a weird spot because we're you know, many Christians are perhaps have been persuaded over the, you know, the past few years or whatever by the, the mm-hmm. you know, arguments of marriage equality and these mean, kinds of things. You mean persuaded that not that homosexuality is biblically faithful, but that we ought to offer that right. civil right, 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 as a marriage. Right, yeah. So, um, so. I think, you know, it'd be helpful maybe to just spend some time talking about um, what biblically we're actually looking at, for one. What is the the big issue here for us as Christians? And then if there's time, you know, also think about what 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 should our position be on our, the government's involvement in all of this? Um, so... You know, I guess the first question that I have is, do, do Christians have a leg to stand on when we say so-called same-sex marriage is, first, not marriage, and second, uh, homosexual relationships of any kind are sinful? Mm-hmm. So you take it from there. That's all I got, man. When you have me start this thing, that's, that's it, it. That's it. all I got. I just I just run out. I just I get to the end. It's just it's I I I wonder if we if I'm not realizing like even this week like I'm going to have to might, might there need to be more ministry to my local church in regards to what the Bible says about homosexuality. Like have I assumed that because it's in our statement of faith and our members have joined our church that you know we're we are really solid. Yeah, we're all on the same page on this. on this. Right. And and not, you know, you know any of my members listening, I am not saying I have some, you know, s- some member in mind, but the just the fact that, you know, it it's just creeping so much farther into uh you know when you see that uh that swath of republicans join in mm. that vote I mean that that was almost more telling than the uh, you know so-called respect for marriage act itself. Yeah. 
and and those who put it forward it was the support from it that you just kind of wake up and go wait a second you know um 10 years ago there might have been the you know the want for legislative legislation like this but not the not any anything near the bipartisan support you couldn't have you couldn't have gotten away with it politically um but these these few have said they they can so it's just making me wonder I mean, the answer is yes to your question. We, the the Bible's pretty clear about uh, what is a man, what is a woman, what is what is marriage, and why did God create marriage, and who is marriage for? Um, but it's just it's just making me think like we're. I've just been sad. It's made me think how much more of a minority are we? I I don't know. That's that might be a harder question to tell. Um, but it just it feels like the room is getting smaller. Yeah, uh, with with this piece of legislation, um, the friends are fewer in, uh, in in Washington D.C. at least right now. So um, it's just it's interesting. It's it's not been a question for millennia in in terms of what does the Bible say about homosexuality. I mean, there have been some questions here and there, I'm sure, but. Um, I, I'm not aware to this degree historically that nations as a whole who have been so-called Christian nations have made such a wide turn. Yeah, I mean, you, um, I think even in certainly homosexual practice is not new. Um, there's a reason it's written in the Bible, but uh, are written about in the Bible. I think what what is new right. is that it was always in the past considered aberrant and not not mainstream. Like those that might engage in those practices would would um, would consider themselves outside the mainstream. They would consider themselves outside and, and of the, regular practice. Definitely, yeah, and definitely not in every culture and time, right. but in American sure, history, right, for sure. Um, I mean, just in the last 10, 15 years, you know, maybe uh, if you take Ellen DeGeneres forward, you know, I've seen a few, those mark, you know, her on television being an example of very public, very celebrated, right. uh, more than ever, very funny, very likable in the living rooms, yeah. uh, you know, that, <clears throat> but that said, it, I mean, do you... I mean, let's just ask a question. Do you think there's any room for Christians to say, look, we think homosexuality is wrong. Like, we think it's wrong. But we don't think it's right for the government to withhold rights of marriage. And uh, which, you know, like we've seen in uh, uh, different, you know, insurance cases and civil rights cases, you know, the the rights of a... Mm-hmm husband and wife, should those be afforded to a man and man when it comes to adoption, when it comes to filing your taxes, you know, as a uh, as a couple versus an individual, when it comes to your estate that closes, when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the rights that you have or don't have when you go to the hospital and you have confidential information, um, should homosexual uh, couples be afforded those same rights? Like, should, should we say that the government should do that? Mm-hmm. And can we still do that and say, well, we think it's wrong, but we don't think it's right to um, keep those rights from other people? When is there any space? When for that? you say, "Is there any space for a Christian to say that?" Uh, that I think that leaves the door open to a, a multitude of answers, <laughs> because. We, if we're asking, is it damnable for a Christian, a so-called Christian, to say, maybe I think, you know, same-sex relationships are wrong, but I don't think the government has a, a right to, you know, really speak one way or the other and needs to just stay out of it and, you know, not with, if they're going to give rights to heterosexual couples and also give them to homosexual couples. Um, can a person be a Christian and hold that position? I think the answer is yes. They can be a... And still still be a yeah, Christian. Yeah, it's not that, 
that oh oh you hold that government should stay out of it or that you may still think that it's wrong but but you're not going to enforce that belief on somebody else now i personally would persuade you to a different way of thinking okay mm-hmm. but is that damnable i don't think that's damnable you know i don't think that you hmm. know perhaps you would have things to answer for on judgment day but but i don't think that's going to be a damnable doctrine to hold to so uh so that that's one way of answering the question but you know i i think there are why do you say that what, what makes you say that why why would you draw that distinction that what it's not damnable yeah that this is you know this doesn't mean that you're not a christian if you if you hold that view that I think it's wrong, God will judge everyone because of it. But I don't think it's wrong that the government have that policy for the sake of fairness and rights and whatever your argument would be for the sake of the government. Why do you think that's okay? I, I, why do you think? I mean, why do you think that's not damnable? Um, because I think someone can. That means you're not. A I think someone can still hold to a biblical understanding of faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, of salvation by grace through faith alone in Christ alone, um, and and hold that in clear conscience, and teach that and preach that and share that, and um, and earnestly believe that, and also be confused on how their faith and their government relate to one another. In other words, I don't think. Just because someone holds a policy or holds a thought in their mind about a particular way the government should should or should not behave does not mean one that that idea is fully formed, two that that it that it's fully informed by Scripture, that they're fully mature, that they're where they will be when the Lord calls them home, or that they will ever reach a perfect way of thinking on the matter. So there's many areas, I'm sure, I'm sure there are many areas where I am immature, haven't thought things through, don't fully understand the, you know, ramifications of this, that, or the other. Um, You know, I'm sure there are things that way. If I knew what those were, I wouldn't hold them, right? And so I think there are Christians who do hold bad opinions on, or bad, bad thoughts on you know things like this like the way government and christianity interact with one another and you know that kind of thing uh, so i i think they're so i don't think it's necessarily damnable um in our churches or in uh the church broadly speaking and we're talking churches that the gospel is preached the the pastor is a christian you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing that bi- biblically faithful right. in every observable metric that you could look at. Right. Um, that broadly speaking, Christians understand that that same sex interaction, <laughs> that same same sex um, fornication, if you want to put it that way, is sin. Yeah, I think so, but. I think if you were to ask them generally, you know, do you do you think it's wrong? I think there's like enough subconscious right now in the average American Christian to go, yeah, we know that that's wrong and that it's supposed to be wrong. But when you start digging and say, well, what about when people love each other? Well, what about if people are monogamous? What about if um, they go to church and they love the gospel and they believe in Jesus? Uh, what about if right? I, I think at that point it starts getting fuzzy. You begin to yeah. find out what are we really, what are we really thinking, yeah. is going on, and what are, what do they really think the Bible yeah. actually said? When when your children start to see things on uh, Facebook or TikTok or wherever, and they're starting to say, "Mom and Dad, I think I'm feeling things," or yeah. uh, then we're going to find out what you know about what the Bible right. says. Yeah. So I think when uh, I agree with that, and I think, too, when – so I think this falls under that category of everything you just said is when they are hit with the arguments of the other side. So I, I think right now 
in the minds of many Christians, there is there is a a maybe somewhere deep down there is kind of a loosely held conviction that um, that uh, that same sex relationships are sinful. That they're you know same sex sexual relationships are sinful. That there's kind of that loosely held conviction that that's true. But then if that conviction is poked in any way and pushed in any way, mm-hmm. so they're met with arguments from the Bible. Like um, I heard an argument not that long ago uh, that was making its rounds that, you know, we read, where where do we read that uh, homosexual relationships are, are prohibited? Well, we read that in Leviticus. But the person reads from the passage in Leviticus, and then reads just a few passages later where there, where shellfish is outlawed, and they say, "Well, mm-hmm. you do you eat lobster? You know, you eat yeah, shrimp. you eat yeah. shrimp. Yeah. Then why is it you can eat shrimp, but you can't have this kind of relationship?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it might be helpful if you just kind of if we we just talk for a minute, like how do we how do we deal with that? How do we handle those kinds of objections? Mm-hmm. Are you you're yeah. asking me first? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if you need my help, Nathan, just I, ask and I'll give you help. <laughs> I you you can't just start by launching into the Bible and say, you know, let's go uh find some verses. Uh let's go do some comparison and uh, just you know, read everything the same way. So when it comes to the the, the shellfish argument, or you know the women in their time of the month, you know passages and uh, those kinds of laws, uh, there's a distinction between those laws which God has given Israel, which go back to creation order. So, for example, we don't we don't see marriage start in commands in Leviticus about how God's people ought to distinguish themselves from among the other nations. That's not where marriage comes from. It's not a a command about distinction or health or your your body for the sake of uh, ritual or any kind of sacredness. It goes back to Genesis. One through three. When Jesus talks about uh, marriage in Matthew, that's where he gets his material from. The created order and the um, relationship between husband and wife and Adam and Eve. That God created man and woman for this purpose. And he united the two different sexes, man and woman, in marriage, in covenant marriage and therefore began defining marriage in the created order, not in the uh, commanded order of God's people distinguishing himself. Some things are not permanent in, uh, in the law. For example, uh, commands about um, uh, you know, the, the pigeon sacrifices, the, um, you know, those things are not intended to be eternal um, so we wouldn't we wouldn't look at every single law the same way as we read through them some have deeper older meanings and created order some are unique to Israel and their relationship to other nations what would you add um, so I would I would say uh, you know I agree with everything you said but I would want to really dig into the passages that are being brought up so in let me let me just read them i think it would be maybe helpful if mm-hmm. i read them the first one is from 1822 leviticus 1822 uh, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman it is an abomination this is in the midst of you know a passage of unlawful sexual relationships so there's all kinds of different you know Sleeping man sleeps with his mother, and various other kinds of things that are prohibited among those. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. 
Uh, and then again in 2013, he brings it up again, and he says is under punishments for sexual morality in 20 verse 13, he says, if a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. And the things that you're bringing up is, look, there's some things that are meant to be permanent and some things that are not meant to be permanent. And there is a, a, a line of a very, I mean, there clearly is a, is, are things that carry over, right? into the new Testament. And there are clearly things that do not carry over into the old, into the new Testament. Um, we don't still sacrifice the blood of bulls and goats. You know, we don't have a temple. We don't have, you know, those kinds of things. Clearly those things have fallen away. Christ remains our sacrifice, but how do we, what, Mm -hmm. what do we do with verses like this? And when those things are prohibited in the Old Testament, what causes us to leave some out, like the eating of shellfish, for example, as, as we've seen, um, and then yet, uh, you know, with this one, we, we're like, no, that one still applies. Because I, I think I can hear the argument from, you know, uh, we'll say transgressives or whatever you want to call them, that... Um, that push against what has been a commonly held belief and say, you're just picking and choosing. It sounds like you're just mm-hmm. sort of, you know, carefully selecting. And I, and I, what I hear you saying is, you know, there, there is a foundational piece to marriage that's important to understand that it, that it was actually created. It's a created thing. But I think if mm-hmm. if a person from, let's say, the left position says, you know, I get what you're saying there, but you're picking and choosing, you know, God is creating marriage at the beginning. If I'm playing devil's advocate, uh, quite literally, I feel like, um, you know, mm-hmm. s- saying, okay, well, at the beginning, God is crea- setting up civilization to reproduce, to be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's not outlawing, you know, same-sex relationships, but he is for a time and a season in Israel in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't carry over now that we're under the blood of the covenant, the new covenant in Christ's blood. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and so there's passages in the New Testament that we'll see in just a minute, but but that, that actually go through through this as well. And, and the argument, as the argument goes, you know, when we dig into the languages, what I find frequently is that in these arguments, the people say in the Greek, and once they say in the Greek, everybody else gets intimidated. You know, they're like, whoa, well, I don't know Greek. And so this guy's automatically the authority on all this. Um, and, and so, so I think it's a, it's, there's a, uh, you know, a, a problem inside the church of going, why do we say that still applies? You know, because we do. We, we would say, yes, Leviticus, uh, you know, 1822 and 2013 still applies. That is still in effect. Mm-hmm. But why? Why that, not others? Yeah. I mean, you have you have the New Testament use of Old Testament passages and interpretation of Old Testament passages. So, for example, when you get to Acts chapter ten, you you have Peter having a vision uh, that, which leads him to taking the gospel to Gentiles. And what is it? What does he see in the vision that helps him know he can actually and should actually go share the gospel with Gentiles? Well, it's that. Uh, a sheet is lower down, and in that sheet there were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. These are Old Testament law covenant words that Peter knows are a no-no for him. These are, identif- these are you know, identity markers for Israel to not eat this food. And the Lord tells Peter, I mean, this is one of my favorite verses, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. <laughs> the idea that those those things which you were commanded not to eat, which provided distinctions from you, from the nations among you. Now I'm telling you, 
There's no distinction. This is the way that God is saying there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile mm-hmm. now. So you have a, a New Testament reapplication of those passages which show when Christ comes, the Jew-Gentile distinctions in the law are removed. Mm-hmm. And now, like in Ephesians 2, you're being made into one people. So you can eat shellfish now. You can eat pork now. Uh, you can eat the animals with hooved toes and not hooved toes, and you know you can eat it all. All the gospel writers affirm this too when Jesus says it. Yep. Right, and so, so that particular section of commands we see is handled differently than how, as in our discussion, how homosexuality is handled by the same uh, apostles of Jesus in the New Testament. Mm. They pick up and reaffirm the. Uh, sinfulness of homosexuality explicitly in 1 Corinthians 6 and Jesus's commands about those who will be uh, uh, judged. We see the same thing in Revelation, that it's it's upheld in the New Testament rather than showing. Uh, it's kind of the same thing for, I mean, this, this, is, this is a big point for when the... Um, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, for example, uh, broke off from the Southern Baptist Convention. I want to say it was a night, you know, mid late nineties. You know, part of their understanding about the distinction between men and women roles on a on a broad spectrum would be that the gospel undid those things. That you know now we don't have those distinctions because Jesus has has come. Well. Again, we're we're have some questions about places where it seems like that's actually upheld, and finds its source back in the created order that God has made the world, uh, rather than being intentionally uh, freed or changed in the New Testament by the gospel. Mm. So it it just it just becomes a question of, of Bible study before you start leveling questions to the Christian or accusations about inconsistency. You know, you you. You know, you pick and choose. You, you you love this law, but you don't like this one. You know, you you hate gay people, so you you keep this law, but you love your shrimp tacos, so you don't say anything about this law. Right. Well, it's not that uh, simple, and not mean to mean that it's so complicated no one else can understand. Right. Um, but the the Bible is just more specific uh, about commands and how they how they work. Uh, from beginning to end of the Bible, right. um, you know, th- th- there would be um, temporal commands that are not in the law to God's people in the Old Testament. You know, the charge to march around Jericho seven times. Well, that we're not promised that if we go march around, you know, a house on the block down the street, that the landlord's going to give it to us for a cheaper price, you know, or something like that. You know, like the, if we go do those things, then it, it just requires a more careful. Would that it were so. Actually Would that it here. were so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, th- taking the whole Bible into perspective and letting the Bible actually interpret itself is kind of what we're getting at, I think. So I think that would be my answer would just be slow down and look at the whole Bible and see what it says and, and how the, the New Testament apostles interpret the old and how Jesus relates to every part of the, the covenant. Yeah, I think there's a, a uh, there is it's worthwhile for the Christian to really think deeply and understand why some things have fallen away in the New Testament based on what Jesus has done and why other things remain the same. Um, we we find that the dietary restrictions that are placed on the Jews are not done because those animals are sinful animals, um, snakes, mm-hmm. pigs, crustaceans, mm-hmm. you know, different kinds of uh, shellfish and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. They're placed on the Jews because the cultures around them eat them, and they are to be set mm-hmm. apart from the rest of the cultures. But then you find mm-hmm. other things that are given to the Jews and let me back up in just a second. And those actually define. So, so if if a, a Jew comes in contact with a pig or a shellfish or something like that through no fault of his own, he just you know I don't know 
swimming in the ocean and a and a crab brushed his leg right um uh there is a process by which he would become clean again and it it defines his ceremonial practice in his ability to to come before the lord in worship and it may not necessarily be sinful that he has uh, come in contact with a shellfish. He goes through the ritual uh, ceremonial cleansing process, becomes clean again, and is able to come before the Lord and worship. Um, what Christ does in dying for his people is basically makes them ceremonially clean in perpetuity. So we stand before the Lord ceremonially clean. Uh, so we're not talking about issues of ceremony, um, which is basically what we're looking at with uh, shellfish and, thing, and things like that, uh, women's menstruation, various other things that seem to be weird in the Old Testament. There are other things that are uh, inherently moral, and, and, and I say that with kind of quotes around it because the whole law is moral. So I don't want to make a distinction of like moral versus ceremonial, that ceremonial is not moral. It is moral, but, um, but there, there are things that, are, that always govern sin for us. Murder will always be sin. Um, mm-hmm. And some of those things you get clarity on as you get into the New Testament. The, the new, now, not everything that is is a is immorality in the old testament is picked up on in the new testament so it's not like a one-to-one correlation Mm -hmm. but the new testament authors do give us enough of a description of what immorality is in christ's kingdom what sin is in christ's kingdom that you can you can kind of begin to see the interpretive lens that you're supposed to look through when going from old testament to new testament so i think a great example of this is uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Paul says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. Now, this verse has has been... Uh, one of a lot of debate, and when the when the proponents, the so-called Christian proponents of so-called same-sex marriage, uh, read this verse and make the argument for same-sex relationships, they say it's always been translated men who practice homosexuality, but there's actually two Greek words here, and this is the part where I think this argument begins to kind of throw Christians for a loop as they say, in the Greek, there's two words. One is, uh, I'll just say the Greek words. Are we okay with that? Can I say the Greek words? Okay, mm-hmm. we're, yeah. we're good. We're good with that? Okay, I wouldn't do this in a sermon, but, yeah. but we're going to do it now, okay? The first Greek word is malakoi, which kind of means like mm-hmm. soft um, and mm-hmm. or passive. And the other word is arsenokoitai, uh, uh, which the argument goes is a made up word. And that's true. This is the first time yeah. arsenokoitai, this is the first time it ever appears in Greek in the Greek language. Not inside or outside of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so the argument goes, and I think this is where Christians begin to go, oh I don't know, you know, is what does soft mean? And what does arsenokoitai mm-hmm. mean? Because Paul just made it up. And it's, it's a compound word. Arseno means man, male. And koitai means, it can mean a number of different things. If in, uh, verbally, it means layer. Um, and if it's a noun, it means bed. It's another word for bed. Mm-hmm. Now, a Christian's going to go, well, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems pretty obvious, but the the person pushing is going to go, well, I, you know, it's a compound word. It's made up. How, who are you to say what it, how it's defined? You know, but what I think is is important to understand about this, in particular, this word, and I think this is the brilliance of not only just God's word, but the way Paul writes this um, 
this passage is very important. Mm-hmm. When he puts mm-hmm. these words together, the the and it's also important to know that that the Bible that is in Paul's hand, the the Old Testament that he uses mm-hmm. is this is what's called the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And mm-hmm. what he does is he takes Leviticus eighteen twenty two, you shall not lay with a man, as one lays with a woman. Mm-hmm. He takes lay with a man, which is two Greek words, arseno and koitai, and he puts mm-hmm. them together in one compound word. You shall not be a man layer. He's referencing Leviticus 18.22. So that mm-hmm. word comes from that usage in the Old Testament. So it's helpful to know that it, it, what, what the New Testament is doing is basically giving us that interpretive lens to say these things become become non-issues, dietary restrictions. Those become non-issues. Mm-hmm. Out of the heart is the heart's the problem. Mm-hmm. But there the Old Testament still speaks and governs the way God understands sin and the way we should understand sin mm-hmm. in the Christian community. And the New Testament authors were not blind to this. They actually did speak to it and spoke quite clearly. And they don't say and, and you know, there's the argument of like, well, but these two love each other. They're in a marriage together. But what Paul is out is outlining and 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 saying is sinful is not has nothing to do with a relationship. Has nothing to do with a, a friendship. Has nothing to do with a love. Has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with a with sexual fornication. Mm-hmm. And he and he's saying this is sin. And, and so laying with a man as one lays with a woman, as is outlined in Leviticus, is sinful, and the Bible puts that forward as sinful. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Would you add anything to that? Yeah. No, I don't think so. It's just showing that you know we're going to have to actually read our Bibles carefully, and this is not a matter of just go to a passage and find a couple of sentences and... You know, now you've got your talking points yeah. that are just going to take you all the way through the Bible, take you all the way through all of your conversations that you'll have at Christmas this year, and you know, you just need a couple verses and you'll be good. Right, right, right. Because the because one, it's uh, the Bible doesn't work that way, right. and you're going to find cases like I don't know. Did you ever read this book, God and the Gay Christian, by Matthew Vines? Yeah, this is actually his argument. What I'm what yeah, I'm walking is through his, is his argument. Exactly. Yeah, he went to study the Bible, and he realized the Bible actually says something else. Uh, and and his, that's his assertion anyway. Um, uh, sponsored by you know the late Rachel Hilt Evans, I think it, it's one of those things where like, do you, as a Christian, are you wrong to just say, you know, I know that this is what the Bible says. Well, where does it say it? Uh, and and you just kind of take it on faith. Well, I I don't think so. I mean. We, you're, you're going to have to live in a, we live in a world where you're going to have to answer some questions and for yourself and for the people around you about what the Bible actually says about this. And I think that a lot of people might feel like it's just too hard. Like it's like, where do you go? And how do you, how do you, you know, when they start talking about Greek, what, I don't have any defense right. for that. What do I know? Right. You know, and there's plenty of resources out there. Um, Al Mohler actually wrote understand. a response to that book. And it's free. You can download yeah. it in PDF form. You can get it in in a iBook form. What is it? Um, the subtitle is a response to God and the Gay Christian, uh, but I can't. I cannot remember mm. the title. I'll look it up. Go ahead. Keep keep going. I'll look it up. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you find it. I mean, uh, you and I have talked about the last few weeks about what does the Bible really teach about homosexuality by Kevin DeYoung. That's an incredibly helpful book that walks through some of the technicalities of uh the the words and the old testament verses and oh what means what and how how we use scripture yeah i found the book it's god and the gay christian a response to matthew vines (laughs) so it's about as easy as the title as you get what a fitting a fitting title yeah Yeah. so there's a a great really small book by uh sam alberry called is 
is God anti-gay and other questions about homosexuality, the Bible, and same-sex attraction. Uh, it's a really good the point. Is there's book. resources, there's but I, on, I think too, you know, it's helpful to know yeah. that like if you if you as a Christian are with us and saying that that is sin, you have ground to stand on. Plenty of scriptural ground, plenty yeah. of historical ground to stand on that that is yeah. that is true. That's the case. And you don't have to be yeah, intimidated you, by those things. Have you seen any, anything about the movie? Is it 1956 or the what's the movie that's coming out now about uh, the new interpretation of scripture that started in the 40s or 50s? Uh, from I want to say it was the, the was it the not the New King James, but the have you not seen no. this? You not heard anything no, about? I haven't this? heard this. If you don't text me, it, a, I don't know it. So. <laughs> Like, <laughs> so you can just look it's, in our thread a, history and just see all the things that I know, <clears throat> and it's all the things you sent me. It's a it's a kind of a documentary movie about homosexual word in the Bible, and how well, maybe it's the New Revised Standard Version. It's called 1946, the mistranslation that shifted a culture. Let me go ahead and, and text it to you right now, and uh, you can you can have it in your feed. Uh, I've only seen the trailer. I haven't seen the film, but it's about how the you know the subline is or the the pitch here is: what if the word quote homosexual was never meant to be in the Bible? So that's the conversation this that we're exactly having. Exactly what you know, I'm talking what about. If, yeah. What if what if you go back and realize this is all a big big misunderstanding? Man, we just missed it for two thousand years. When the West. When the West started translating the Bible differently, we kind of didn't know what words to use, you know. And if you go to the trailer, you know, there's a, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a tracking of the translation process for the certain translation of the Bible. And there's one guy who was petitioning the committee, saying, "This is not a good word. Why are you using these words?" And you know, the way the uh, trailer paints it as, you know, they kind of waved him off as unserious unhelpful untechnical you know whatever um that but that's the that's the that's the big pitch mm. you know uh was this belongs in the bible uh, i don't know if it's online or if you can watch i wanted to to watch it i've seen a few uh people post about it but um that's the that's the question that we're in it is not just you know um and we're gonna we're gonna get out in the world, and we're gonna find out that homosexuality today is extremely civilized as well. Yeah, it's not um, it's not some dark corner. Um, it doesn't gross people out in public like it used to. Right. The thought of it. So, uh, you know, we have multiple homosexual couples in our neighborhood, and they function as good neighbors, right. uh, helpful, kind. Right respectful um they're they're not rude uh they're not uh um they're not angry at the world and us you know and their behavior toward people in the neighborhood so there's gonna you're gonna have to step back and go was i believing a caricature you know was sodom and gomorrah and fire my only concept of homosexuality and can i do I actually know what the Bible says? And it becomes ultimately a question of the sufficiency of Scripture. Is is the Bible actually true? Is it inerrant? And is it actually telling us what God says about the world that he created? Yeah. Or are we going to begin interpreting, you know, that uh, even in the question that comes back to you know, where we started was, you know, should this, should the government... Should any government uh, acknowledge this right or acknowledge this as a right, as as good and fair treatment? Um, God's word is sufficient for every uh, every righteousness to equip us in everything for righteousness. So there are things. I mean, we we have clear instruction about what governments are supposed to do. Government is not man's idea to serve man and help man and organize mankind. Government is God's idea with God's purposes for the good and the flourishing of mankind, okay. beginning back in Genesis 9. So 
there is a there is a debate that has been making its rounds uh, over the last couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. you know, knowing how fast things are, it's it's probably died out by now. But it was uh, Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire on Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. Were you able to listen to that? Have you listened to that interview? No, because it's on Spotify and it's like a paywall or something. <laughs> I don't, I'm out of I'm out of money for subscriptions to stuff. Okay, okay I saw I saw the uh, debate on YouTube, so it was like a YouTube clip. But you can you okay. can listen to the episode for free. Here's what here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna so I think we're we're good on at least scriptures understanding of uh, this issue and that that it's we have simple. a well, let the, me the, say to that we have a direction. I would read Kevin DeYoung's book. And at least look at it for. He also gives a lot of objections. Yeah, he handles objections like, well, what about? Uh, it goes way farther than sure. We yeah, absolutely. this is just a general direction of there's help out yeah. there. Yeah. So, I th- but I think we have kind of a, a, a aim, and at least sets a foundation for how we understand this and and thinking through the issue, and and also understanding like. And I want to say just kind of to cap off what we've just said is your pastor. And your church is there, like use them for that. You you're intimidated mm-hmm. by these issues, you're like somebody's saying this. What do I say to that? How do I understand this? Man, that's what your pastor is there for. Like they are to be a theologian in the church. They're to have thought through these issues, and maybe they haven't thought through every issue, and maybe you're going to bring to them an issue they have never thought through before. But that's that's what they do is they they take the scriptures they think they help you mm-hmm. understand the issue more fully and so use them for that like that's what the, that's why you should be a part of a good church okay so what we're going to do next time i want to do this is is mm-hmm. sit down and go through how do we understand the government's involvement and i want to include that debate from joe rogan and, and matt walsh because I think it's really telling. Mm-hmm. Rogan presents a very mainstream um, argument that that even some Christians will use, and Matt Walsh presents one side of the Christian response to it. But I think we can present a different one. So mm-hmm. I think it would be really helpful to kind of go through that and dissect it, and and think through all the ramifications of how our faith intersects with the the government the american government especially mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah all right yeah next time final okay. thoughts anything else yeah final thoughts are um this question's not going away nope. and it's only going to get more heated. It's only going to get closer to your house. It's only going to get closer to your kids. The internet that your kids are looking yep. at. I mean, it's in movies. You know, I, we made the announcement. Uh, actually, I had talked to Colette about this. She made the announcement to our kids that we're canceling Disney, and uh, <gasps> so I'm basically one of the most hated men in the whole world right now. <laughs> and. And and listen, I want to be fair. If, if you want to keep your Disney subscription, good grief, go ahead. I'm I'm torn. You know, I'm kind of sixty forty. I, I don't really Can care. Can you still be a Christian? But and and I have. To. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things where like I just our kids are old enough and they're they're in that stage right now where they're old enough to be on screens enough on their own, and I don't know what all is in Disney, and I can't just turn it all off, mm. and I can't, you know. So it's one of those like let's just not open that box. Uh, just let you go explore. It's just kind of that weird time where they're not, they're not eighteen, they're not five, and so we're not watching everything with them. And so, and meanwhile, it, so all all that to say, um, it's just it's there, it's just it's there, and, and it's it is literally painting the White House. That's what started this discussion. You know, uh, Obama did this with Obergefell in twenty fifteen. I think was right. He lit up the White House with. Um, uh, the, the the rainbow colors right. at the same time. Now it's even, I mean, even just the pictures themselves. If my memory serves me correctly, um, the 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 White House under Biden's administration was even uh, bigger and brighter. <laughs> you know, more covering the White House. Uh, that's just my memory. I could be wrong. Well, like in the health, um, the health health 
secretary is uh-huh. transgender, you know. Right? Oh, we could go down the line yeah. and find a lot of offices that are yeah that weren't before. Um, but I think the point is, if you if you sit around and wait till someone at the office asks you a question about it, which you know, uh, and if you're not vocal about your faith, no one's going to. Um, it, it's a it's a question we ought to actively seek to answer. Yeah. Rather than be put on the the defense of of answering questions. Yeah. So, like, I would say to anyone listening in this conversation, like, if we were talking, you know, if we had one of our church members here, do you know? Like, what would you say? Yeah. Can you answer some questions? Yeah. I actually know? did this. Um, so I did this. This was several years ago when Matthew Vine's argument came out, hit mainstream. I did this in a Sunday school class. I, I was like, okay, so let me, I'm going to walk you through his argument. And I wanted to mm-hmm. hear what you would have to say. And everybody was mm-hmm. dead set against uh, homosexuality at the beginning. Oh, it's sin, it's sin, it's sin. I walked through his argument. By the time I got to the end, everybody's like, I have no idea what I would say to that. I mean, just mm-hmm. just stunned silent. Right. And it, it's um, right. It's it's very interesting, you know, yeah. that that people are like, you know, I don't know, and and it's I, I you know, on one end, like I really feel for people because, I mean. Even if you, let's say you read your Bible every day, you might have your convictions about it and and know what you believe, but you people start going, you know, well, in the Greek, you know, da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. and it becomes a whole different deal, doesn't it? You yeah. know, I mean, it becomes like a, mm-hmm. like, I don't know that. I mean, I, I just read it in the English, and I sit yeah, there on my couch. And, and by, the, by the way, by the way, you know, most of the time, these are not Greek scholars. No. None of them are. They 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 read a book right. and they read an article and they went and found someone else who's an expert in Greek, right? Uh, who you know they 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 think is an authority. So it, <laughs> it's it's like the the confidence of the Christian in the truthfulness of Scripture. I mean, it's it's almost embarrassing. What a great you know the treasure of resources and riches we have to help affirm the continuity of scripture from beginning to end the consistency the uh the clearness of scripture um it's not hard mm-hmm. uh to come to a place of confidence in scripture Mo- and much less much less this um i mean the the translations that we have now to kind of think about the 1946 film I mean, the amount of scrutiny that the many translations that we have gone through and we have at our fingertips that you can Google and see 14 different translations. Uh, I mean, these are going to be, I mean, I think it'd be fair to say thousands of individuals who have looked at the various translations. I mean, you want to talk about a conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah. To say that all of these translators got together and say well let's let's hoodwink the public yeah. uh with some words yeah. that are going to make th- they're going to switch this doctrine up like it's just it, it's nonsensical it's not real right it's it, it it's it's not and it's so easy to 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 go into how did these translations get made and who made them and it's not like a bunch of friends who agree on everything. No, I mean some some of these committee there's debates. Yeah, uh, about this, and you can and you can go back and find yeah. this, and you can see those differences. Well, and and so there there is. And the hard part about it is too, it's not just homosexuality. The Jehovah's Witness that stands mm-hmm. on your doorstep is also going to make arguments from the Greek, quote unquote. Yeah, and the Mormons. Yeah, yeah Mormons. The the Mormons. Every <laughs> everyone it sounded so derogatory. Everyone is going to take John one. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was. We say God. Mm-hmm. They say a God. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. uh, there, that is that right there. Their translation of that verse is an argument from the Greek, and if you push them. If you say no, it's it's in the beginning was God. They they will say no. In the beginning was a God, and they they'll tell you why. Well, because 
in the Greek, the Greek doesn't have a word for A, and you've got to supply that. And all this. I mean, so like, mm-hmm. so this is not new. This has been around for mm-hmm. many, many years. And if we don't understand what what is the response to these things, it's it we're gonna we can be put in a position where we're like, oh, I don't know, you know. And it's not necessarily that we have to right. memorize Greek or no Greek or understand even the arguments from there. It's it's that we have to know there are responses to that. You yeah. Know? And it's okay for Christians. I, I I don't know if I do this enough. I I hope I do. But it's okay for Christians to go, I don't know. That's a really good question. Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that right now. Um, let me get back to you. Let me go find some stuff. What are you reading? You know, like... Uh, one of the most helpful things I did that actually convinced me of uh, Scripture's truthfulness and consistency and fairness is read Matthew Vine's book, God and the Gay Christian. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't, I could not, it, it, it was, uh, reading it actually made me think, if this is the thing that's convincing people, I'm feeling pretty secure yeah. in Scripture. Yeah. And the same for like the Richard Dawkins, The God Delusion. Like, I, I mean, you want to talk about a faith-affirming book for me. <laughs> I read through Richard Dawkins' God Delusion and going, this is it? This is our – I'm not trying to be arrogant. It's like I'm smarter than Richard Dawkins, but I'm like, if that's it, I'm just – I'm going to, he- to bed really at peace yeah. with faith in the Lord Jesus and faith in the Bible. This is what you find, isn't it? you can see When it. you push really mm-hmm. against these arguments that are so commonly accepted – you push hard against them, you realize they're super soft in the middle. They're very squishy in the middle. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's there's so many of these arguments that just collapse under the weight of scrutiny. Right. And you, you just have to study to know and understand and right. rest in confidence. There are good answers to these yeah. questions. Yeah. And too, I think when you're when you're talking to people like that that's that's a really a lost art I think today talking to people yeah. and you know someone comes up with arguments and it's arguments they read online it's arguments they heard from their aunt or it's arguments they read in a book um, man it, it, get to know people I, I why 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 did you begin to come down this line uh, because even as Christians, we did not just read a book and come up with an answer, right. and so we believe in Jesus. Right. That's not that's not our testimony of how we came to know Christ and believe in Christ and how how we were changed and transformed and filled by the Spirit of God. That's that's not our testimony. Is I did I did a Google search and I decided Christianity is true. Mm-hmm. That's not the totality of our experience or being or understanding of spirituality. Most people are not living out in that world no. either, right? Think so. Think about the whole. Part. Where did you come from? Where did you get these beliefs? You know, why are you, why are you convinced that that's true? Are you open to thinking some more about that? How are you feeling? You know, what else is going on in your life? You know, and we're not trying to trick people. We're just trying to be genuine and, and be holistic as Christians, and and not be plain and uh, overly narrow, unnecessarily narrow. Uh, about how we interact with people about about stuff like this, even from Christian to Christian, yeah. you know, some Christians coming up and saying, "Oh, I think government. I think it's fine if government would be, uh, you know, it's okay for government to give the right of marriage to uh, homosexual couples." Um, well, who am I dealing with here? Someone that has a homosexual cousin, yeah, and they're just broken over that, and they haven't thought through it, and they're not sure if they're ready to pay the cost yet. Yeah. Of holding a different law, right? It's not about the technical argument. There's a fear there, right? About something that. So I just say, I'm just saying. When we talked about there's all kinds of stuff going yeah. on, and the the fool is the one who loves to express his opinion about things without understanding, right? No questions, just answers. Yeah. Uh, in conversation with other people, because I I think you'll find, and you've probably found this as a pastor as well, when people are disagreeing about anything. You start asking questions. A lot of times, you realize that the thing that they're most vehement about isn't actually the thing they care the most about. Yeah, there's something going on under there. Right. Um, I'll tell. I'm gonna tell a quick story. I don't know what time we're on here, but this is gonna be real fast. There's a guy that came to my office years ago, really upset about uh, 
um, a, a particular doctrine about tithing. And, I mean, he was like red in the face uh, about Matthew 23. We're talking about Jesus and Scripture and blah, blah, blah. And I'm disagreeing with him as kindly as I can and patiently as I can. Uh, I probably could have done a better job. Um, but he was he was angry at me. And we were going back and forth. And I'm just saying, I'm just talking to him, going, Brother, I just don't think that's what that verse says. Let's look at that verse. He didn't want to look at the verse because he's been a Sunday school teacher for 40 years. How dare I assume he doesn't know what the Bible says. Really upset. some point in our conversation, I don't know what, what got said or what happened, but he just broke down into tears. I mean, broke down. A, an older man. And started talking to me about his mom dying from cancer and watching his mom painfully die from cancer and having to watch it and him questioning God. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with tithing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. But it was it was the tithing and that disagreement was the uh was kind of the the portal for all of his anger yeah. and expression and feeling. Yeah. And so that's not always what's going on. Some people are feeling what they're talking about. I'm just saying, um, man, it, it's um, – I want people to treat me like that. Right. And I think Jesus does as well. He, he goes to the heart. Um, not that he sets aside truth and doctrine. Um, but that's just uh, – But people need to know that we love but them. But I think, yeah. And have the gospel for, the, for them. And I think what you're getting at too is – that the doctrine that we hold is not just doctrine that's up in the air. It's doctrine that's applied to the person's life. And so the people, mm-hmm. you know, even Matthew Vines is no exception to this. The people that are asking these questions or making these arguments have a stake in the game, right? Mm. That's that's the issue, is Matthew Vines is grew up in the church and is wanting to be a part of that community and but also has same-sex attraction Mm -hmm. you know is is same-sex attracted and so how does he deal with that and so he sought to wrestle Mm -hmm. with it and i think he came to some bad conclusions and probably had some bad direction and and probably didn't have anybody to come in and say you're wrong here and here's Mm -hmm. here's why and help explain those things to him and many people have kids in that situation. You know, we have we have young kids mm-hmm. and, you know, could be in that same situation in the future. And so it's, you know, mm-hmm. we it, it's it's something that it really touches people like it hits people where they are. And we're not just trying to make an argument in the air just to be mean or anything like that. But we're trying to say, look, life can only be found in covenant with Christ. You know, that is where life is. Mm -hmm. And anything else is death. And so we want people to have life. You know, I'm not trying to stifle anybody's expression or anything like that. I want you to live. I want you to really live. And I want you to know the joy and peace that can be found only in relationship with Christ. And we can't forget that, you know, in all Mm -hmm. the arguments is that that's what we're going after, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah. I mean, Vine says in his book, this book is the, uh, not until I confronted my own same-sex orientation did my church's crisis on the issue become a fully personal one. Yeah. The, you know, there's, there's a, there's a cost to pay personally increasingly like as this gets closer and closer to our dinner tables yeah. and our church and you know our holidays it's it's going to it's going to cost more intimate pains yeah. in our relationships and families and maybe work relationships and it's it's not going to be easy which which puts the which puts the the onus even more on us as Christians yeah to be willing to go, is this worth the cost? Yeah. Is this worth? I mean, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Um, to be clear about what Scripture says, and because if you start, I think what you're getting at too, you start you start messing with what is sin and not sin. You 
you start redefining what is the gospel saving us from and for. And it's, it, it becomes a, a, a gospel issue. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And a, an eternal issue. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, next time. Send me the link for the free Joe Rogan thing because I can't afford the, the. You don't have to pay anything. Pay you don't have to pay anything stuff. for the whole episode. <laughs> Stop. You can listen to it all. So, says the guy who spent 10 minutes trying to figure out his microphone before we got on <laughs> today. Uh, the peek behind the curtain. All right. Help help me help you, Michael. <laughs> help me help you. Okay. All right. All right. Next time. Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast.